Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Meredith Bond, and I am here with my lovely co-host. I'm Prue Warren. <laughs> uh, Prue, today we are so, I'm so excited. We have Carrie Ray Barnum with us, and she is going to tell us all about marketing. I was wandering through a speaker's bureau that Nate Hoffelder put together looking for great people to talk to the Washington romance writers. And there was Carrie Ray who said, I can help you get along with Amazon. And I was like, oh, I need this woman. Carrie Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, it is my pleasure. We'll unlock the secrets of Amazon together. <laughs> Kip. No, I don't think I have a key that big. Kara Ray, will you do me a favor and do your bona fides? Will you do a little, here's here's who I am? Absolutely. So my name's Carrie Ray Barnum, and I am the executive director of New Shelves Books, which is a very large um, book publishing and marketing consultant agency where we work with authors of all levels from, um, or all walks, I should say, not levels, from traditional to indies to just starting out authors. And we help you learn how to not only market your books, but how to sell those books specifically on Amazon and online to bookstores and to libraries. So we kind of help you out there to make sure that you are reaching as many sales channels as possible. You're the we need you desperately. We we need you. <laughs> desperately. The more I learn, here's here's the premise of our podcast, Carrie, is that Meredith has published so many books she doesn't remember how many she has, which is my definition of cool. Uh, and I just began this year, so I glom on to Mary and suck as much knowledge out of her brain as I possibly can. She and I both are coming to understand that. Amazon loves people who publish in KU. Amazon loves people who publish through their in-house publishing arm Montlake. And Amazon loves the big six publishers or big five, however many. They're way out of my league. Four? Four now? It's four. Uh, it's done four. So there's no way I have sold 1,700 books. I mean, woohoo! Yes. I know. It's it's fine but there's no way there's no way i can affect amazon to give me any attention at all is there well there are there are a couple ways that you can play nice with amazon <laughs> um and we can talk about them and you've hit on some of them publishing in ku is certainly one of them uh because that is kind of you know, Amazon's baby. It's its ebook baby. And when you play nice when they're, with their baby, they really like that. Uh, but also Amazon has trained its readers and the people browsing on their site that they can read for free. Even though, of course, they're paying a subscription, they have trained the users that they can read for free with a 
Kindle Unlimited subscription. So you're right on that, that it does favor people who publish and they put their books in Kindle Unlimited. However, there are other ways that you can get attention. And that is all about optimizing and knowing how to play nice with those little bots on Amazon. (laughs) Because there is not a big conference room full of people saying, Prue is not NKU. Let's (laughs) just shunt her this way. It doesn't work like that. I mean, we often think that you know, there's like a conscious decision to show or not show certain books, but it's all done by bots. It's algorithms. And as long as you know how to both play nicely and train those bots, then you can get your book seen more, both with paid options and free options, which we like. We like free marketing, right? Right. Love free marketing. Right. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm I'm awash with questions. Um when you spoke to the Washington Romance writers, one of your first questions was, how many keywords do you have? And I said, I have seven, like Amazon told me I was supposed to have. And you said you need to have 500. Yeah. Okay. Splain. Splain. Well, you said you had seven. And I said, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> because seven is the number of metadata keywords you can have. And that... That is the number of keywords or keyword phrases that you can put in the back end of your book when you upload to Amazon. However, you are using keywords, whether you realize it or not, you have the use of keywords all throughout your pages on Amazon, on your Author Central account, when you are putting up your product pages for your books and you're using your descriptions, editorial reviews, that is all places that you can work in keywords because keywords are simply hot words that are being used by these bots to find and show your book. So if you say, um, my book is, uh, it's a cute doggy rom-com, perfect for lovers of Meg Ryan and must love dogs. Well, then what happens is those Amazon bots say, oh, Meg Ryan, must love dogs. These are two really popular names and keywords that automatically start working for you so that when Amazon is looking for things having to do with either of those big names or big keywords, they will think of your book. And so we need to make sure that we are really consciously finding keywords that we can pepper throughout our book descriptions, throughout our author pages, so that we are telling Amazon who to connect us to. Because if you can connect to big names, if you can connect to great comps, you are more likely to get your book seen without paying a single cent. Okay, I think that's brilliant. Uh, But there's only me, right? And all the world is out there. I I mean, I, I really do feel like it's a drop, you know, a drop of rain falling in the ocean. Well, how often do you see a rainstorm with just one drop? (laughs) <laughs> you have to drop lots of drops. And so that's one of the ways you can do it. But you start out with keywords and your best keywords always, your best keywords will be comp authors and titles. So finding those authors that either write similar stories to you or who, who write for a similar audience. I've had people say, well, no one's book is exactly like mine. Uh, Well, great. That means that you wrote an original book. Good job. But (laughs) 
are there authors who have written similar? Do they write rom-com that are meant for 30-year-old women? Do they write Regency romance set in 1490? Um, that's not Regency, but let's ignore that part. But um, <laughs> I'm traveled. I'm traveled. <laughs> like, no, no. Um, but we get what we're saying. Can we find some type of connection there? Or can we find the authors who are writing to an audience that would love our book? Maybe my book isn't exactly like yours, but do you have the same audience? If my target audience is 30 to 40-year-old divorcee women who are finding their power through romance, do you write to the same audience? Because if so, you're my comp. And so finding those comp authors and those comp titles will give you your best keywords. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, I won't lie. It does take some time. But I always recommend that authors and writers start with 30 comp authors. Go find them. And an easy way to find them, aside from the people who automatically jump to mind, an easy way to find them is to go to the Amazon category you think your book fits in and go check out the 100 top bestseller list. Mm -hmm. And start checking out those books to see if they are similar to yours. And let's keep in mind that Amazon has literally thousands of categories and your book probably fits in more than one. So you discover a couple different categories. It'll probably take an hour, maybe even two hours. It can be a bunny bunny trail. But it is something that once you have that, you have this amazing springboard to find keywords, to jump off and start getting that free attention from the Amazon algorithms by simply knowing who your comps are. So where do you put those keywords? Do you put them in your description in something like, if you love Mary Jo Putney, you'll love Meredith Bond's new Regency romance? Absolutely. Yes. Working in things like that, I think is a great idea. And that is something you'll find in traditional publishing. When you are pitching for an agent or you are pitching a book to a publisher, that is something that people often use is, um, you know, Jurassic Park meets um, meets (laughs) when Harry met Sally. This creates a incredibly crazy picture in our head, but it does create a picture in our head. And so by using two well-known storylines, comps, movies, something that's currently trending or is a classic, it immediately paints a picture in someone's head. So not only is that smart descriptive copy, because people immediately know what they're getting into if they read your book, but it works in those keywords as well. So working them in in that way, Mary, is a great idea, but also maybe you'll find that your keywords are going to be um, categories. Maybe it is specifically using words like rom-com or um, using certain tropes. If it is a, you know, um, falls in love with your best friend's boyfriend, or if it is something like that, working your tropes in there, your tropes can also be keywords along with your categories. So thinking again, you start with those comps, but then you start to think broader. It is, uh, it is like a drop in the ocean, but then you have to follow the ripples to see where they go. 
And when you do that, that is how you move from your sweet little seven keywords to your 500 um, because you are broadening. You're kind of going out from there and finding your audience so that you can sneak them in there. So that when you're writing your author central bio, can you say, um, you know, what authors you would look up to, what authors you write similarly to? Um, if you could meet any author, who would it be? And if you're using these other authors' names, you are using keywords that then connect you to them in the algorithms in, you know, on Amazon. And so you can use your keywords in, in those ways as well. Also think of some of these keywords, not other authors or their titles, let's not do that, but other keywords like your subgenres, your tropes can often make really great um, subtitles because it puts it right out in front and your title and your subtitle are your heaviest hitting metadata keywords. So think very carefully about your title and your subtitles. With that, you also have to be careful to make sure that your subtitle is on your cover or else Amazon will flag it and say your metadata does not match. It will do that for your paperback, not your ebook. So okay. you will often see people who have no subtitle on their paperback. First, like, oh, wow. <laughs> people who have it on their paperback and there's no subtitle, but on their on their Kindle book, they have a subtitle. And you'll also notice that if you publish through KDP, once you publish your book, you cannot change your title or subtitle in paperback. You can change your subtitle on the ebook after you've published. So and it doesn't so if you, need to be on the, on the, on the cover for the ebook. It does not. No. Okay. Now, if you go crazy, if you're changing it every week, if you're like, hey, how many keywords can I fit in here? Not only will your readers think that maybe you had a couple too many glasses of wine when you're setting that up, but mm -hmm. it will also trigger Amazon, usually because people then complain or report your listing. So we don't want to go too far, but to say um, a you know, a 1950s rom-com in your subtitle is perfectly fine. So use some judgment there, but you can certainly stick a trope, stick a, a keyword in your subtitle for that Kindle book. And that, again, is one of your most powerful keywords in a search on Amazon. So title and subtitle are the most powerful. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm writing so, it down. Series title, your series name as well is one of your your most powerful. So keep that in mind. This is why I see this is this is the Harlequin pattern of the Venetian millionaire secret baby is the title, right? It's just like a horrible, just a horrible title. Yes, and that is why. However, I mean, what you just threw out, you had millionaire, which is a really big trope for romance. So is it a horrible title? Um, Venetian is often something or a descriptive word that's used usually more in um, historical romance, but it's used. So sometimes those titles that you think are crazy, when you start looking for keywords, you're like, I see what they did. It still sounds crazy. It still is one of those things where you're like, what were they drinking? But it makes a little bit more sense. So if, go ahead. Yeah, so I was thinking of, I have um, a Regency romance fantasy series. And so if I have my subtitle as 
of paranormal Regency romance. And then at the beginning of my book description, Merlin meets Bridgerton, right? Something like that. When you have Merlin meets nail. Bridgerton in this exciting paranormal Regency romance. Exactly. And you've hit the nail on the head where you are bringing in. And also what that helps happen is as people are scrolling by now, of course, I will, I will say that your title and your cover should tell people in general, what kind of book they're getting. However, having that subtitle on your, your Kindle book or your ebook is just one more way for them to know what they're getting before they click. So having that right there and having that in the beginning or the end. So you can either do it at the beginning of your description or the end of your description. I do recommend you make it big and bold, like a hook and a headline so it stands out. But yes, Merlin meets Bridgerton is one of those things that people immediately are like, okay, I kind of get the vibe that you're talking about. It paints a picture. And so we can use book titles or authors, but we can also use movies, trending shows. And keep in mind, you can change your description on Amazon just about anytime you want. If your references start to get dated, it's okay to change them. And then you're kind of presenting new keywords. Again, we don't want to do this every other week because what that will do is we're essentially taking the algorithm brain and the bots and we're throwing so much at them that we confuse them. But if you let it sit three to six months and you're like, eh, Bridgerton's so out, you know, we've moved on to Outlander again because there's a new book out, um, whatever it may be. And having that switch out is perfectly okay to update and shake up your keywords to go with what is either really, really a good comp or to what's trending. Because absolutely believe that the the searches and the keyword searches on Outlander have gone through the roof as the next season's about to come out on Showtime and as the, the new book has come out from Diana Gabaldon. So that is currently a trending keyword. Why not jump on that train? Wow. Uh, you said at the beginning or the end, do you feel like what's the value of the bottom of the description real estate? So that is usually your closer. I think of it as like my closing statements. If I was ever a lawyer, which God help us all, I will never be um, <laughs> because I'd be terrible at it. But if I was, that's your closing statement. Like, all right, I've got you this far. Now I'm going to hit it home and you're going to go buy my book. And this is why. So I always think that we should have a hook at the beginning of our book descriptions and we should have a clencher at the bottom. Maybe that is a, a publisher's weekly review or a, um, a blurb from another well-known author. Whatever it is, you need something to get their attention because you've got approximately four seconds to get a reader's attention once they click over your page. Four seconds. If they're not interested, they're gone. Then. At the end, you need a clencher that takes them from this sounds good to buy now. Okay, so the your focus on you could have that you could have Merlin meets Bridgerton at the beginning or the end is more uh, persuading the individual, not speaking specifically to the Amazon bot. Correct, because the Amazon, well, it's both, but the Amazon bot is not saying, well, it's higher up on the page. Right. They are just scanning the, the text for the keywords. Whole thing. The whole so thing. where exactly you have it 
on your description is more for the reader, not for Amazon optimization in the box. One of the things that you advised when you spoke to the Washington Romance writers was that we link our blogs through an RSS feed to the author central page, uh, because then Amazon will go in and look at your blog posts and see what you're blogging about, which I dutifully did. And it was, I was very proud of myself. Thank you very much. And for a while I was blogging all about comparable authors and um, the rom-com genre and what I was doing and what I saw other people doing so that Amazon would watch. And then, (laughs) then I went on vacation on a long cruise and I blogged obsessively because I was alone and had no one else to talk to. So um, now my blog is full of things that have nothing to do with rom-coms. How big an error did I make? As far as the the keywords there, your blog is one of kind of like the the side benefit. So is that going to matter as much as what you actually have on Amazon, as much as your description, your title? No, uh, it's an added boost. It's a bonus. Okay. So I don't think you have like irreparably damaged your <laughs> your keyword algorithms on Amazon. However, again, it's something to think about. Thinking in terms of um, Google, of course, is the number one search engine in the world currently. Amazon ranks in the top three. I've heard and read different statistics that it changes from two to three, depending on what's happening in the world. But the number in the top three search engines in the world is Amazon. They're pulling a lot of data and a lot of keywords. And so... It's something where they are definitely pulling from Google there. I mean, we've all heard of, wow, my friend on Facebook couldn't leave a review on my book. Why? Because Amazon is pulling data from all over in so many different places. And so it's something that helps and it's something that can boost by connecting your blog and blogging those keywords in. But it's not something that's going to make or break your book marketing. It'll just give it a boost. All right. All right. Excellent. I was also hoping that simply having it linked would make my author central page, if anybody wandered past, look vigorous and alive and like someone was doing something. So, so. Well, and people do look at that, how often, and what one of my favorite features of linking a blog, aside from the keywords that you can kind of work in there is when someone clicks on your blog, uh, a blog post, if it's got an interesting enough title and your beginning words, if they click over to that, they go to your website and hopefully your website then has an email pop-up that says, you know, follow Prue's newsletter and get a short story or whatever it may be. So that is a great way to convert Amazon traffic, tons and tons of traffic to convert that traffic over to your website into your newsletter list. You've got, you've, you're very inspirational. I'm, I'm writing such a to-do list. So really, I'm thinking about how um, it, now that I'm an author, I know how important it is for, for just readers to write a review on Amazon in particular, but, but BookBub or Goodreads or whatever. But Amazon is the, what I really hope people will put a review on. So now when I read a book, I want to write a review for them on their book. But it really would be smarter if I wrote their review on my blog, linked the blog to my author central page, 
it would be more beneficial for me to review authors who were my comps and say, here's a great book. That is a great idea, but you can also take your review or shortened version of your review and copy and paste it over to an Amazon review. Why not do all of them? Why not put it copy and paste over to Goodreads too? Um, we can support other authors and support the author community while still getting the benefit of blogging about it. Uh, and you'll see that some of the biggest bookstagrammers, the book bloggers and things like that, they post the reviews all over. They don't write, you know, an Amazon review and a Goodreads review. They just copy and paste. Um, and so you can absolutely do that. And that is a way that you can get the benefit and also support your fellow authors in a really well-rounded, loving way. Um, put it up on BookBub, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble, you can do. You don't have to buy the book on Barnes & Noble, just like you don't have to on Amazon. Um, Amazon, Goodreads, you know, put it out there as much as possible. And that also gets your name out on all those sites as well for when people are Googling and searching and things like that. Okay. That's genius. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm really a big fan of how can we work smarter, not harder, because I really don't mind working hard, but when I can be lazy, I'm okay with that. <laughs> if I can make my content stretch, I'm, I'm a okay with that. If you had of all the things we've talked about, and my list is quite long, the one you would say trains the Amazon bots to my advantage most is awareness of keywords and where I can place them. Yes. It's awareness and where you can place them and making sure that you are using them. And then the most absolute, most effective way to train those algorithms is a paid option. And that's going to be your paid ads through Amazon. Okay. And the way well, that now we'll, we're going to need a whole nother, I've, I've tried to do an Amazon. I've tried an Amazon ad. Oh my God. It was so confusing. It can be, uh, it can be. And there are ways to simplify it for sure. And there are great programs out there that kind of help authors, but it's the way for keywords specifically and how we're training those algorithms is when you do a sponsored keyword ad and you're doing it manually. So where you're choosing the keywords, right, when I you choose your comps, their book titles and you are choosing those category and subcategory keywords, mm -hmm. you are training the Amazon algorithm to put your book into those keyword searches. And the more that your book is bought because someone did click off of, um, what is it that's going on right now? The, the something hypothesis. Um, oh, the love hypothesis. Yeah, that one. So right. if you use that as a keyword and you show up in an ad on that book's page and they click onto your book and they end up buying, you have forged a permanent uh, connection in Amazon algorithms for, oh, your book is like this. So running those ads, sometimes we feel like we're spinning our wheels, but every time that you sell a book with one of your comp authors as a keyword, you are forging a connection on the Amazon algorithms with that author and with that book. So your book is more likely to show up on their pages and in their searches naturally. Okay. You're blowing my mind here. Okay. So here's what I, this is what I've heard. Tell me if I'm wrong. I go through and I choose and when I did it, keeping you in mind, I ended up with 473 keywords or something because I did all three levels, you know, broad, targeted, whatever the three are. 
So all my comps came up and all my genre words came up. Uh, I'm not just doing that to attempt to put an ad on those authors' pages. I'm also doing it because it's informing Amazon what I think my category is. In some cases, yes. I mean, it can affect your categories as well. Um, Because if your book is being searched or is being bought off of like certain category lists, has anyone ever like looked at your book and you're like, wow, I don't know how it got in that category. If your book is selling with certain keywords, sometimes Amazon algorithms say, oh, you belong in this category. Let's just do it here. Okay. So it's not me buying the ad. It's me buying a successful ad. Amazon's not looking at what I think my categories are. Amazon's looking at, of the categories I listed, these are successful. Yes. Well, and they're also looking at what keywords got sales. Because let's keep in mind, overall... We And we can talk all about how Amazon may show favoritism to certain books or how they publish, but ultimately Amazon is a business. They are in the business of making money. So if they can sell your book and make money, sure, why not? And so that's what their algorithms track. And Amazon's, one of their top like goals that they talk about is happy customers. They want to make sure that if a customer is browsing, that they find the products they want and they're happy with them. That is why they they have the review system and why they have also bots and things like that. Because happy customers keep buying product. So every time your book is bought because of a keyword connection, Amazon says, oh, money. And they start showing it again. So you are literally training it with a reward system because if you use a keyword, paranormal Regency romance, and if that's getting bought, they're going to start showing that because they want to sell more stuff. They want to make more money and it helps you you in the process. You make it seem, you make it seem so linear. And I think this whole thing is so convoluted. For how long do you run an ad before you say, obviously those keywords aren't working? I usually give it a solid two weeks, two weeks, Okay. a really solid two weeks, sometimes more. If that ad or that ad keyword is getting a lot of impressions, but maybe not sales, uh, keep in mind, generally, the rule of thumb is that when you get a click on an ad, you are looking for one sale out of every 10 clicks, at least one sale. And so if you are looking at a keyword and you're like, well, I got four clicks and I don't have any sales. You don't have enough data to actually make that decision. I'm typically leaving a keyword up there for at least 10 clicks to see if it's going to convert. Of course, that all depends on how much you're spending on the keyword. If you're spending $2 per click, that's ridiculous. But if you're spending 15 or 25 cents per click, well, 10 clicks is not that much as far as letting it run to see if you will sell that $9.99 book on paperback. How many keywords do you put in for your ads? I do a lot. So there are two different kind of methodologies. Um, Brian Cohen, I'm sure you guys have heard of him. He really encourages authors to start really small and really pointed and to grow bigger. And that is a great way to grow your ads if you've got the time to baby them. 
if you do not have the time to baby them, or if you are, maybe you're a publisher and you are a, a, a mid-sized press that is running ads for a lot of books, you don't have time to baby those ads and build up those keywords. So I actually do it the opposite way. We start with as many keywords as we can find. Typically, I aim for 500 to 1,000. 1,000 is the most you can put in. And I go big. And then what I do is I run an ad for about two weeks. And I see what got impressions, what got clicks, and then I pull down based on that. And then I do it again. So rather than starting really small and growing slowly, I start really big and I and I cut and I pull down so that we end up with our really tight list of keywords that is consistently selling and is consistently getting those impressions and those clicks. And how many would that be? How many? It usually ends up being anywhere between 100 and 300, typically, which again is right in line with what Brian ultimately recommends. So we're getting to the same place, but we're getting there on a different path. Um, the way that I do it does cost a little bit more upfront, but for for myself and a lot of people I work with, time is money. And we need fast results. We need to get there so we can get going. We don't have the time to grow slowly. And so I think it really depends on, do you have the time? Do you have the energy to grow slowly? Or do you have money to invest, to spend and see what it gets you and grow the other way and kind of, you know, slow down your ads as you find those pointed keywords. There's not a wrong way. It's what are your goals and what best fits your goals in the long term. Um, do you, it, when I did the one ad that I did, it offered me keywords, <clears throat> excuse me, at, at three different levels. There was broad or specific, exact, I don't remember what the levels were. I chose all three. Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, I think you can absolutely do that because some it's broad phrase and exact. Yeah. Um, so is it used in a phrase? Is it kind of broad? If I had the name Tina, I could pick up, pick up anything that has Tina in the search or exact. If I say Tina Fey, it's only going to pick up on Tina Fey when typed in correctly. Um, and so I think that you can start with all three because you'll find that sometimes the phrase does really well and the exact one does nothing. Maybe people don't know how to spell this person's name correctly. Um, and so I think you can start with all three and kind of look at them separately um, and kind of go that way. You've blown my mind. I've got I thank God this is recorded so I can go back and listen to it all again. Um, Meredith, I know I've kind of dominated with my questions. What have I stopped you from asking? I just have one totally off-topic question because it, <laughs> it, it has to do with the Amazon algorithms and people ask it all the time. How often should you publish a book? Oh, on, Al- on Amazon, often. I mean, I think that, is there some secret timeline we don't know about? Probably. But I think it's also important to realize that those Amazon algorithms are constantly updating. So whatever's the right answer may not be the right answer for long. So I think that every couple of months is ideal. But the truth is, is that publishing a new book helps, but also keeping your current listing active also helps. Because they're not just looking, the reason why those new books help so much is because you're getting new sales, you're getting new reviews. And those are two things that greatly impact the algorithm. So if you have an older book that's getting a lot of sales and it's getting consistent reviews where you're getting a couple of reviews a week, you will still fall favorably in the algorithm. If you launch a book 
you do a huge launch push where you're getting sales, you're getting reviews, and then it's just done. You're not running ads. It's not selling. Well, then your algorithms are slowly dying off. And what happens is when you publish a new book, you're jumping in those algorithms again. So publishing a new book, I think it can certainly help in those algorithms, but paying attention to your old listings can do the same thing if you do it well. That's a great answer. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's this, you, you live in the center of a web. This is not linear. This is, this is very mm-hmm. uh, multidimensional. Yeah. You're it in the multiverse. You're in the Amazon multiverse. Oh, what a scary place. No, it is a web. And I think it's important to to realize too, that you don't have to start out doing everything all at once. Pick one thing and do it and add on. So many times authors, they'll hear something like this podcast and they'll be like, I have so much to do. And you write your list and you get overwhelmed and you're like, okay, I'm going to go eat ice cream and watch a movie because it's just too much. Um, Write the list of all the things that you can do and then pick your top three that you're either excited about or you can easily do. Start there and then grow it because that is the way that you can really grow on things and be consistent. It's not who gets there first. It's who is consistent over time because it takes that consistency and that constant updraft of the algorithms and keywords to be a long-term success. I can sell a hundred books in a day and it's not going to sell as many copies if I sell one book a week or one book a day. One book a day for a year 365 books, really a lot of energy, big launch, 100 books in one day, and then no sales or a book a month. I'm not going to sell as many in the long term. So think long term with your marketing. God. Uh, Carrie, if someone wants to get in touch with you because they want desperately your help, what's an email address? It's just info, I-N-F-O at newshelves, N-E-W-S-H-E-L-V-E-S.com. And you can also visit newshelves.com. We've got a lot of free resources up there. We've got a blog and, um, we, you know, it's really all about helping authors help themselves. That's what I love about what I do is that I get to work with authors who are excited to learn and help themselves because that's what makes you successful. Having a marketing team do the work for you will help you for a little while. But eventually, if you want to stop paying them and make a profit, you've got to learn how to do things yourselves. And so that is my passion is helping authors learn in a way that clicks and makes sense. And so if you're interested in any of that, newshelves.com. You're awesome. You're awesome. Okay. Uh, I I have my list of at least three things that I need to go and do immediately. Um, Meredith, next week, I think on our schedule, did we, were we talking about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies? Is that next week's podcast? That is quite likely. I have not looked at my list of what's coming up. <laughs> I'm still in Thanksgiving mode here. Oh God! <laughs> I, I am focused on holidays here. I, I'm not right. focused on actual, you know, work. Right. All right. But yeah, and now yeah. totally focused on Amazon. At I mean, I'm just absolutely. I know now. I have all these Amazon things to do. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carrie. You are amazing and a hugely generous resource. Thank you for coming on. Oh, we really you appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun. You too. I love what you're doing. And I love the podcast. Yay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>
All right, Meredith, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Bye.